Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our all-church study, Anchored. This anchor of hope is the certainty and the promise that God is who He says He is, and that God will do what He said He will do. What God does for us is grounded in who God is, and knowing who God is provides an anchor in life, giving us a secure foundation on which to build our lives. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you here in the house in Granby, as well as those of you online. We're glad you're here. Today is the last message in our series called Anchored, and this has been a great series. We've looked at some of the attributes of God. We've, we've gone from the bigger-than-us, transcendent God all the way down to today, and we're going to talk about the personal God, how personal he is today. And so I've asked Amber Seiler if she would share a testimony with us. So give her a great big Valley Brook welcome. And Amber, come and share your story. Hello. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Amber Seiler. I'm married to the student pastor here, David. Um, And if any of you have been here for any amount of time, Before or after service, you've probably seen our little guy, Oliver, running around here like crazy and disobeying and getting into all kinds of trouble. He also likes to run up on the stage. He thinks he's a part of the band. So um, if you have seen that, then you've probably seen me pick him up and you've seen him flail around and try and hit me because he's bad. Um, so, you know, Oliver's just coming into his own personality. He's almost four now. He learned how to talk and his favorite word is no. Um, and, and I think any of you who are parents can relate, um, that when a, when a kid first starts to talk, that's their favorite word, no. And no one had to teach him to be bad. He just knew, he just knew how to do it. And that's, that's amazing. Um, And this little, he was one pound and eight ounces when he was born. This little one pound, eight ounce kid has given me more bloody lips than I can count. Um, So he has a mind of his own, okay? He is stubborn. Um, And he has a a mind of his own and it is made up, okay? Like it is made up. He wants his way. And he's devastated when he doesn't get his way. He'll lay on the floor, he'll kick around, he'll scream, and you've probably seen that. It was happening in the hall earlier, okay, here. Um, he, he lays down on the ground and cries, he takes a swipe at me, he hits his head up against my head and gives me those bloody lips. And it's just amazing how that sweet little tiny baby turned into this thing that fights. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I learned pretty quickly, though, that... When I respond to him in anger, it just escalates the situation. Um, When I respond to him in anger, he gets more angry. And so I've kind of tricked him. And when he's angry at me, I will just pick him up and hug him and tell him, I love you so much. And he's really confused. And he's fighting with me. Um, And he fought back for a long time. But, you know, about six weeks ago, he was really mad at me because I told him no. And he laid down on the floor and he cried and he did his whole act. It's all fake. Um, And then he stood up and he was going to take a swipe at me. And I said, no, you are not going to act this way. And he just flailed his head back and started to cry. And then he reached up. 
because he knew that I would hold him. He knew that I would comfort him, even though he was mad at me, he didn't like what I had to say to him, and I didn't like the way he was acting, he knew that I would still hold him. I would still hold him close and comfort him when he was angry. And I'm just like him. He gets his stubbornness from me, okay? And I think we can all relate, okay? When we don't get our way, that's what we wanna do. We just have self-regulators, so we don't. But we all wanna lay down and just scream. And when we've said to God, like, why God? This thing that I've asked you for over and over again, why isn't it happening? And we get angry. And we either, another thing Oliver does is run away. He likes to run away a lot. So we either wanna run away from God, or we, like, if he was in front of us, we might wanna take a swipe at him. Cause like, why? But God is there waiting for us, for us to just reach up because he wants to hold us. And that is something that just overwhelms me. You know, I've learned a lot of lessons through being a mom, but that one tops them all for me because I know that when I'm at my worst, God just wants to hold me. Thank you. My guess is that we can all identify with what Amber shared. So uh, I want to pray for you, but I want to pray for all of us. So Father, Lord, I'm so grateful for uh, uh, what you have taught Amber, how you've let her share this with us. And I I pray just for blessings uh, in her walk with you and in her parenting and in her entire life. And I pray that for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again. Well, the reality is this, is every single one of us has a story, a personal story of what God has done in our lives. And, and Amber shared her story over the past couple of weeks. We've, we've heard from others, and it's how God has spoken to us individually, uniquely as people. And, and so today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to look at how personal God is. And we're going to look at the God, God our Father, who comes to us in a personal way. God the Son, Jesus, who reveals himself to us in a very personal way. And, and God the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to end that time with how we should respond to the God who is personal. So, you know, the Bible is a love letter to us from God, and it tells us from the beginning to the end that God loves us, that God desires to know us, have a personal relationship with us. And in fact, when we read through Scripture, we see God's relentless pursuit of each and every one of us, of of all of humanity. God never gives up on us even when we reject him, even when we turn our backs on him, even when we run away from him, even when we're disobedient, when we're sinful, even when that sin creates a barrier for us, God will do whatever it takes for us to know him and so that we can also be in a relationship with him. We see that in Jesus and what he did for us. So we're going to walk through this. So here's what the Bible tells us. First, God knows us. God created us, and as our creator, he knows how we're formed. He knows both our physical and our emotional makeup. He knows our thoughts before we speak them. He knows what we're going to ask before we ask. And in fact, the Bible tells us that even when we don't know how to pray, God knows what we need. 
And through his spirit, he prays for us. God knows all about us and he cares for us. Now, in Psalm 103, we read this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Now, think about this. When, when we were children, as we grew, we attempted to do things. And sometimes we succeeded and sometimes we failed. But that's how we grow. We try things. Now, in a perfect world, as we attempted to try something new, maybe it was a puzzle or riding a bike or some new and hard schoolwork, in a perfect world, our parents would be there to encourage us whether we succeeded or failed. And as a perfect parent would understand their children and, and thus affirm them so the child would keep trying and keep growing. And that's what these verses tell us about our perfect heavenly parent that he wants to encourage us. Now, these verses do come to us in a greater context. And that context is this, that, that God loves us even though we anger him at times. And even though we do that, God says he will not harbor his anger against us. He will not treat us as our sinfulness deserves. Rather, he will forgive us. One author has written about these verses. He said, I'm sure you can see how this so richly blesses our soul because God is a God who knows us and, is, and also all of our shortcomings, and he knows them intimately. But yet, he still loves us infinitely. There is full understanding and, and yet complete acceptance by God. Now, these verses remind us that God's compassion, his care, his love, his ultimate forgiveness do not depend on our strength or ability. Just like a parent doesn't, doesn't not love their child because they can't do what they're attempting, so God, too, doesn't, love, doesn't stop loving us when we fail. God desires for us to know his love and his compassion, and he desires for us to be in a relationship with him. So the Bible makes it clear that God knows us personally, and then the Bible goes on and tells us that through Jesus, we can learn something even more about the relationship that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit want with us. And here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus calls us friends. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples, and we believe that everything he told to the disciples those many years ago, he tells us too. This is what he said to them. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, let's dwell on that for a moment. Does the boss of a Fortune 500 company tell all of her plans for her company to all of her employees? Of course not. You know, that wouldn't make good business sense, but it just wouldn't be a way. And now, it may honor an entry-level employee for the boss to take them aside and for her to share all of her plans with them. But, but from a business model, it just wouldn't make sense. But again, 
Jesus doesn't do things according to the logic of this world. He does things according to the model of the kingdom of God. And so when he says, everything that I have learned from my Father I have made known to you, he makes that certain and clear for us. What's he told us? He's given us the inside scoop. He's told us what the mission of the kingdom of God is. He's told us what the plans of the kingdom of God is. And he's told us what he wants us to do in the kingdom of God. And now, if, if you remember, it's not a mission or a plan or a job description that our culture, that our world would embrace Because he's told us this. He's told us that the mission is to make disciples. The mission isn't to get people into heaven. That's a benefit that comes from being a disciple. But he said, make disciples. Baptize them in my name and teach them everything that I've commanded. Oh, and by the way, when you accept my son and his forgiveness for your sins, you're given the promise of eternal life. He's also told us, his plan to establish the kingdom of God. But it's not a political kingdom. It's not a military kingdom. It's not a human kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a a kingdom unlike anything that this world has known. He's told us explicitly, too, that he didn't come to establish any kind of kingdom other than a kingdom that is not of this world. He said this also. He said, you can't enter enter the kingdom of God unless you have a new birth. In other words, unless you've embraced the values of the kingdom of God and, and become part of it. And then within that, he's told us what our responsibility is, what our job is with the kingdom of God. And again, it's not something the world would embrace because he said, I, I want you to take up your cross And I want you to follow me. Now, why does he tell us all that? Why does he take us into his confidence? Knowing that some people hearing all of that will say, I don't want any part of that. He does that because he sees us not as servants, as entry-level employees. He sees us as friends. He sees us and he wants us to be a part of this countercultural calling that he's given us that is far different than the world around us. Even though he knows it will be hard for many of us to hear, he trusts us and he knows that we are on a journey with him and we desire to know him and to be a part of his kingdom. And think about that. Isn't that what friends do? They tell each other what's going on in their lives. They, they share their thoughts, their plans, their their intimate ideas. They're willing to take that risk. I was reflecting on that this week. You know, 22 years ago, Cynthia and I began to sense that God was calling us to move to New England and plant a church that became Valleybrook. And we sensed that God was calling us to do that, to reach people who didn't know God, who, who may see themselves spiritually far from God. And so I remember telling some of our friends what we were planning to do. And do you know what they did when we told them that? Because we had an intimate friendship, because we trusted them, and because we knew that they accepted us, we told them. 
Did they have questions why we would move halfway across the country and leave everything and everyone we know to go to a place where we didn't know anybody? Of course they did. Why? Because they cared for us, but they trusted us in our relationship with God. And when we told them that, they vowed to support us and to cheer us on. And you know what? 22 years later, some of those friends continue to stay in contact with us and to cheer us on in what God is doing here at Valley Brook. Now, were they sad to see us go? Yes. But for the purpose of expanding the kingdom of God, they were and still are excited and still support us. So that's how Jesus sees us. He sees us as not just his disciples, but as his friends and, and friends who have a relationship with him and his friendship with us is personal. Now, we can see as I'm moving through uh, the Trinity, uh, God presents himself to us as a father who cares for us and wants us to know him, as our friend, our savior who desires for us to know the plans and the purpose of the kingdom of God. And now we're gonna look at that third person of the Trinity, God's presence with us in the Holy Spirit. And so let's talk about this. The, the Holy Spirit fills us. The Holy Spirit, you could say, has the most personal and intimate connection with God and also with us. This is what the Apostle Paul writes about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, while Paul is talking about his ministry and actually in the context there of 2 Corinthians, he's defending what uh, he's doing. He's also sharing how God has personally prepared him and how he prepares us to be in that relationship with him. First, he tells us this, that, that God makes us stand firm in Christ. That, that means that we don't have to waver in our faith, that we can stand solid knowing what Jesus has done for us. But secondly, he goes on and he tells us that, that God has anointed him, and thus he's anointed all of us through his Holy Spirit. That means uh, he's given us the Spirit's indwelling presence, and that the Spirit has empowered us and strengthen us, as he says, in our inner beings. Why? So we can be a part of his kingdom mission to do what we were created for. The third thing he tells us is this, is that he set his seal of ownership on us. Now, when we receive the Holy Spirit, that's, that's our seal of ownership. It, it may not, it's, I, I sort of relate to it this way. Uh, long ago, my dad gave me a, a, an imprinter for the books that I have. And it's one of those things which you can slip on a piece of paper and you squeeze it. And it, it says, property of the library of Clark Poff. It, it's just a very cool gift, but it puts an imprint on it. So the Holy Spirit has put his seal, his imprint on us, and it guarantees, it, it tells us that we are owned by God, that we have made our faith in him to follow him. And that goes right with the last thing Paul tells us. He says, God put his spirit into our hearts as a deposit. Now think about that. 
that deposit guarantees the full inheritance that will come when we pass from this earth to eternity. It's like a down payment. It's a promise. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. We recognize that we become followers of Jesus Christ. And it's a reminder that this life isn't the end. There is more to it and that we will experience that with him. Now, uh, as John, the apostle, tells us in his gospel, God sent the Holy Spirit to us to be our teacher, to be our guide, and to be our comforter. So the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside each disciple of Jesus. He is the personal presence of God with us. Now, as I think about that, I remember, and you probably do too, that it was foretold that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, and Emmanuel is a name that literally means God with us. And that promise, that prophecy is kept because God the Father and God the Son sent the Holy Spirit to be God with us forever after Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, the Holy Spirit is in us, but it, it doesn't turn us into some type of Christian robot, but the Spirit teaches us, guides us, prays for us, strengthens us, and yes, comforts us. So, we've talked about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how personal they are. We have to decide this. How will we include God in our lives? Think about that question. How will you include God in your life? Well, let's talk about how we can respond. The first thing we can do is to decide to be a disciple. Now, that seems straightforward, being a disciple, but, but how do we know if we are truly a disciple? After all, it's one thing to say I'm a disciple of Jesus, but it's another thing to actually live as a disciple. Well, Jesus makes it very clear. He tells us it's very simple to be a disciple and, and to know if you're a disciple. He says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. I think we could all do a little self-analysis. Am I keeping the commandments of Jesus? Uh, I was gathered with uh, men yesterday morning for our men's breakfast, which guys are all invited to on the second Saturday. And that was one of the things we were talking about, about following the commandments. Because we're told to, and they're not um, something that we would say are multiple choice. They are something that he tells us to follow. And I think about this in terms of relationships. You know, if you're going to be involved in a romantic relationship with somebody, there's sort of an, an unwritten command that goes with being in a romantic relationship. And it's this, love me and be faithful to me. Because if you're not going to love me and be faithful to me, then you, I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. So Jesus says, if you love me, you'll be faithful to me. You'll keep my command. So we have to choose to be a disciple. And you know what? It's not a once and done thing. It's, an, it's something that we have to decide every day, maybe moment by moment. The next thing that we need to do is ask God for wisdom. You know, uh, I hope and I want to encourage you to read your Bibles often, if not daily. And we have so many tools that can help us do that. And the Bible gives us a great deal of information, and we should read it and follow it. But James the Apostle tells us this. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So if you're reading scripture and you don't understand it, or if you want wisdom in a particular situation that doesn't seem to have black and white instructions from scripture, then ask God for wisdom. And he will give you that wisdom because he wants you to walk in that relationship with him, trusting that he will give you the wisdom you need in this life. And that really takes me to the third thing. Ask for what you need. Jesus said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, some people want to make this into a formula. You know, if I ask for something in Jesus' name, that's the, the magic formula, and I'll get what you want. And, you know, here's the important thing. If we're asking for something in Jesus' name, we're acknowledging that what we're asking for would be something that Jesus would authorize, something Jesus would approve, something that Jesus would want to do. And so out of that relationship, that mutual relationship that we have with Jesus, we, as we learn and as we study, we begin to understand more and more about what he would want us to do. And so he tells us to ask. So let me bring this to a conclusion by asking you a question. Are you looking for God to be personal in your life? Because he wants to be. Are you looking for that intimate relationship with God? Because he wants that with you. He's all-knowing. He knows all about you, but he wants you to understand that he wants a relationship with you where you can talk to him, interact with him, where you can ask him for wisdom, where you can follow him, where you can ask him for what you need. You know, relationships by nature are two ways, and he wants that. He doesn't want to just tell you things from Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. He wants to hear from you. So seek that relationship. He calls us to respond. There's one final way that we should respond, and that's by sharing with others about what God means to us and what he's done in our lives. In fact, it's a big part of what it means to be a disciple. It's part of fulfilling that plan for the kingdom that God has for us. And, uh, you know, remember that Jesus commissioned his followers to share the good news. Who he is and what he has done for us is the good news. And we're supposed to share that with all people and help them become disciples. And, and, and most of us know we should tell others about that life-changing relationship that we have with God. But oftentimes people feel that those conversations can be rather daunting. So what would happen if we asked on a regular basis the Holy Spirit to help us have those conversations with those people in our lives? What could happen? Well, knowing that God is personal, he's going to answer that prayer. And I want to actually bring this series of messages to a conclusion with a challenge and a next step. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to ask you to actively engage with God on a daily basis about having conversations about who God is to you with other people. And 
you know, as I've thought about this, as, as we're headed toward the holiday season, this is a timely time to be able to do that because people are going to be receptive to hear about Jesus and about God during this season. Many of you know that on the first Saturday of December, we hold something called the Live Nativity at Salmonbrook Park in Granby. It's a, a recreation of what it may have looked like on the night that Jesus was born. And, and yes, we've asked people to help volunteer, but we also want to ask you to make personal invitations to people to come and attend it so that they can see what it could have been like. And today, I want to give you this challenge. Over the next three weeks, I want to encourage you to begin to actually pray about having spiritual conversations. We have a book that we would like everybody to pick up on the way out in the cafe. It's called 21 Days to Increase Your Spiritual Conversations. It's a bit of a devotional and a bit of a workbook from the standpoint that it's not going to just ask you to reflect on Scripture. It's actually going to ask you to engage in Scripture. And so I want to encourage you to pick one up and actually start reading it. You can do it today or tomorrow, but there's two to three pages per day. And there's going to be some activities that it's going to challenge you to consider implementing in your life. And over the next two Sundays, I'm going to preach about how we can have more spiritual conversations. But, but we need to engage during the week also. So I want to encourage you to pick one of these up. There's also a little tool that goes with it. You can read more about that in the book. If you're with us online, if you would like a copy, just send us an email at connect@valleybrook.cc, and we'll get that out to you this week. Why is this important? Because this is part of what disciples are called to do. We've discovered that God is real and relevant and personal. And we've been commissioned by Jesus to share that with the rest of the world so that other people can become disciples of Jesus. And that's what we need to do. So I want you to take this 21-day challenge and, and participate in this with me. And I want to encourage you to talk about it. So pick those up as you leave. Now, listen, some of you have heard this day and you may say, well, you know, I haven't actually entered into a relationship with God in a personal way. And I'd like to today. So I want to close this message with a prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And during this prayer, if you've never told Jesus that you believe in him and want to follow him and accept his forgiveness for your sins, I'm going to give you the words to pray back to him. And you can put them in your own words. And then I'm going to pray for all of us that we will lean into that relationship and let the Lord guide us as we follow him. So let's pray. God, as we come here today, we recognize that you've called us all to be in a relationship with you. And for anyone who's never decided to do that but wants to enter into that personal relationship with you today, I'm gonna invite them to pray these words to you, God. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in you. I believe you sent Jesus to die on a cross and pay for my sins. And you brought him back to life. He was resurrected. And today I want to commit to following you and following Jesus and being a disciple. And we'll say amen to that part of the prayer. God, you've called each one of us to follow you and to be in a relationship with you and you've made that way very clear and possible so I pray for each and every one of us that we would lean into that relationship each and every day that we would consider that we have been given 
eternal life, but more importantly, a relationship with God, the creator of the world, to be a part of his kingdom in this life and in the life to come. And I pray, Lord, that you would empower each of us to to take this challenge, to enter into a 21-day period of asking you how we could be more engaged in spiritual conversations. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you please stand as we talk to our good, good father who's so personal through this song? Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.